Imagine living with the constant threat that at any moment your friends, your job, and even your life could vanish instantly due to a medical condition that's completely out of your control. This was Jesse Fyodor's life. He grew up in the 1950s and 60s with epilepsy, and the doctors just didn't know what to do with him. They, they decided to send me to Camarillo uh-huh. State Mental Hospital. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, and that was really not a place for a person just with epilepsy. If I'm having grand mal seizures uh, at night or in the, during the day, sometimes you can really hit your head, break your skull, crack your skull open, and kill yourself. So I decided the best thing to do was put me into a padded cell in the event that that ever happened. At least I wouldn't be killing myself. Constant seizures determined what Jesse did and where he went. All it would take was one seizure at the wrong time and place, and Jesse could lose it all. He'd lost relationships, failed his classes, and been fired because of his condition. The biggest fear, I should say, that I did have was having the seizure there because I didn't want, again, people to come at me and I was even thinking they might ask me to leave and never come back. Wow. Yeah. But that was my biggest fear. This fear was his unshakable companion until one day he decided to meet it face to face. And then what happened is I started continuously going there. And sure enough, I had a grand mal seizure right there. Thank you for joining us for a new episode of Kaval the Podcast. We are so excited to welcome Jesse Fyodor as our guest. His story is hard to believe unless you hear him tell it himself. Welcome back to Kavah the Podcast. I'm Kelly Archibald, and I want to thank you for tuning in. We live in a crazy world, so we made this podcast to shine some hope into your life. Our guests have lived through some incredible things, both good and bad and they want to share their stories with you. Listeners like you make this podcast possible. If you've been inspired or encouraged by these stories, please consider supporting us on Patreon or contacting us about sponsorship opportunities. You can find more information about us at kavahpodcast.com. That's Q-A-V-A-H podcast.com. I mostly grew up in the San Diego area. I was born in San Diego, and then I grew up in El Cajon, California. Okay. And I had a very loving family. Uh, I grew up. At that time, I had five sisters, but overall, we had had six sisters and one brother. Oh, wow. (laughs) What number were you? I was right in the middle. I I have three older sisters, three younger sisters, and my brother was younger. Jesse has good memories of going to church with his family before church became a place that filled him with fear. Okay. Wow. Uh-huh. So do you have any favorite childhood memories? Well, just the favorite childhood memories is when it was really on, like, Easter Sunday. Mm. Uh, that's one of my favorite childhood memories because what had happened at that time, we'd, we'd always get dressed up very, very nice. My sisters would always get dressed up, wear beautiful hats, Mm. And we we would walk to church, oh wow! Uh, because church was right around the corner. Oh, how nice! Yep. Yeah. And when we were walking to church, then 
my memories there are are so huh really adorable for me because again i i was introduced to you know i guess the lord then at that time yeah. as a catholic and then i served on the altar <clears throat> as an altar boy at that time also when i was a young child and just growing up with six sisters and, and enjoying life and enjoying the freedom of living in america of course is something that i'm very very grateful for for life in general for what i did but my favorite memories are really the holidays mm. that i spent with my family did y'all have anything special to eat on easter oh oh yes we did <laughs> Yeah, we did. My my aunt and uncle would always come over, and my aunt would be excuse me, my uncle would be the cook. Oh, and he would be barbecuing these just delicious hamburgers that we had every every time we had a barbecue in the backyard on a Sunday, and it was just a family gathering. But the the hamburgers were so delicious at that time. Uh, I'll never forget them. Oh, that's awesome! I bet you've not had hamburgers as good as those hamburgers from when you were little. Oh, that's very true. I'll never forget those yeah. handmade mm. uh, hamburgers are so thick and so delicious at mm. that time. That's awesome. Mm. So what are some of the significant experiences that you face uh, that you'd like to share with us? Well, my life was really something of a, really a, a great time when I was growing up. I was you know, spending a lot of time with friends, involved in sports. I was involved in the Catholic uh, religion where I was, uh, you know, serving as an altar boy and I was attending Catholic school at the time mm -hmm. and everything was, you know, just a wonderful lifestyle and the memories of growing up with six sisters, well, five sisters at that time, I should say, because my sixth sister was born in Hawaii. Oh, okay. But, uh, at that time, um, it was just a wonderful time growing up. However, I, you know, I, I came across, um, tragedy hmm. in my life when I was 10 years old. Um, sometimes I get emotional talking about it because yeah. it brings back memories. Yeah, I'm so sorry. But when I was 10 years old, uh, my my mother, you know, and my father had me in a baseball team and I was playing the right field, like I, had, uh, like I said, and I was up at bat once and then I was hit in the head with a baseball. Hmm. Uh, knocked down and then at that time I was taken to the hospital but everything seemed to be okay you know? mm -hmm. I, I seemed to be doing you know, somewhat okay so they released me and I went home you know thinking I just had a, a bump in my head <laughs> mm -hmm. but it was like uh, two days later that I ended up having a seizure <laughs> oh wow do you remember that well, vaguely, but I do remember it, yes, because it was uh, nocturnal where I had it at nighttime when I was sleeping. Mm. And I ended up on the floor the following morning, but I just thought that I fell out of bed. Right. <laughs> so I just got up and went back uh, to sleep later on. And then, and then what happened is two days later, um, I had another seizure mm. at night. But when it happened at nighttime, it was, you know, I was making sounds and I was shaking a lot. So my parents came in and that's when they found uh, me on the floor again. But this time they could see me having a seizure. Right. Yeah. Wow. So, so 
Yeah, they had taken me to the hospital okay. at that time. Okay. And what kind of treatment did they have for that? Well, they did they did just uh, random tests on mm -hmm. my brain. They gave me an EEG, and then they gave me at that time EEGs were not the very very pleasant to take because this was back in 1963. Oh wow! And that's where they would stick little. It's like thumbtacks, <laughs> like thumbtacks into your head. Oh my goodness! It's very very painful. But that was, they put about, about maybe 25 tacks into my skull, pressing, and then that's when I had my first EEG of my life. Mm. And you're and 10 that, years old, right? Yeah. Pardon me? You were 10 years old? That's correct. Oh. I was 10 years old. Oh, wow. Yep. And it was very painful, but I, I do remember it somewhat. But mm. And that's when, after two days in the hospital... My my parents were told that um, we believe your son has epilepsy. Mm. So that was, in a sense, the, the fate of of my medical illness at that time. And then yeah. again, it started changing my life at age ten. Wow. So did they think that it was from the injury? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Yeah, they thought it was because I was hit in the head because epilepsy can be caused by a severe hit in the head, but okay. also you coming up as a child, some many are are, are born with it, but mm -hmm. that's a more, a, one of the more common ways to be hit in the head. Epilepsy is a neurological disorder marked by sudden recurrent episodes of sensory disturbance, loss of consciousness, or convulsions associated with abnormal electrical activity in the brain. These episodes are known as seizures. During a seizure, a person experiences abnormal behavior, symptoms, and sensations, sometimes including loss of consciousness. Uncontrolled or prolonged seizures can cause brain damage, but there are few symptoms between seizures. The symptoms of epilepsy are usually managed by medications and in some cases by surgery, devices, or dietary change. But there is no permanent cure for epilepsy. So after you were released from the hospital, did you have some kind of treatment? Well, they put me on medications at that time and to help hopefully control the seizures. And what happened eventually, it just didn't, it didn't work. In other words, mm. they tried changing my medications. I was on Dilantin and mm -hmm. Phenobarbital. Right. And apparently it, it didn't work over time and my seizures did continue. So how often so, would you have them? Oh, I was having, uh, Petty mall and, and psychomotor seizures, uh, more or less at nighttime, most of the time, but they were happening maybe some, two times a week and sometimes three times a week. Wow. Were you able to go to school? I was, but under very stringent rules, I should say, because I was afraid to go to school. Right. Yeah, because if I had a seizure at school, my fear was not really what's going to happen to me is what would people think about me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because probably epilepsy was not a very well known disorder at that time right. for the common person. 
and they may have thought differently. <laughs> What's wrong with this guy, you know? Right. And that was my biggest fear growing up when I found out that I had epilepsy. Just like that, Jesse's life changed overnight. So what did you do as far as schooling? Well, schooling, uh, I, I did complete um, my my younger, you know, through the 12th grade going on to high school. Mm-hmm. But my high school days when I was living now and then in Orange County, uh, I experienced many hospital stays during that period of mm-hmm. time where I had to go to several hospitals. I was in San Diego Naval Hospital because my father was in the Navy at the time. Okay. And I was in many other hospitals, and they're trying to control my seizures. Right. And when I was going into high school, eventually, I was in Orange County, living with my family there, because we had moved to Orange County. And at that time, I was not doing too well in school, and the seizures, again, were not stopping. They turned into grand mal. Mm. So when they turned into grand mal seizures, uh, it was not, I was not really able to go to school at that time because eventually if the grand mal seizures continue, you know, it's very possible that I could have died from epileptic brain death. So what happened is my parents had a doctor's recommendation. They, they decided to send me to Camarillo, uh-huh. State Mental Hospital. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, and that was really not a place for a person just with epilepsy. Oh, but, my goodness. What was yeah. that like for you? Well, the reason that, that they sent me there was because they had were known as padded rooms, meaning the whole room is padded from the ceiling to the floor. And with a padded room, that means if I'm having grand mal seizures uh, at night or in the during the day, sometimes you can really hit your head, break your skull, crack your skull open, and kill yourself. So I decided the best thing to do was put me into a padded cell in the event that that ever happened. At least I wouldn't be killing myself. Oh, my goodness. So how old were you at this time? I was right around um, 11 years old excuse me, 12, 12 years old, I was still young. <laughs> wow. So what did you think about all of that? Oh, I hated it there because, again, a mental hospital with insane people technically and is not a, not really a place for a person with just epilepsy alone. And how long were you in there? I was there for uh, six months. Wow. Yeah. Six months and then... You know, they, they, the seizures still would not stop, but again, they started changing my medications and doing what they had to do. So at that time, we were moving to Hawaii because my father was still in the Navy and got transferred to Honolulu. And when we, when we moved to Hawaii, that's where, again, I had my last sister. <laughs> she was born right. there. And then I was still doing a little bit better in Hawaii, meaning the seizures were not as bad because they had put me on another medication named Diamox. Okay. And then at that time, 
um, I was living, you know, somewhat of a normal life. I, I joined the Boy Scouts and became a Boy Scout. Oh, nice. And then, yeah, and I was living you know, a much better life than I, where I was. Jesse's parents and doctors worked together to get his condition somewhat stabilized, but it was still an excruciating transition for Jesse. At such a young age, he had to say goodbye to his expectations of a normal life. Every decision was now filtered through a number of medical and emotional factors. Fear and trauma had a grip on Jesse's life. He just didn't know how to process all of this suffering. Because of the disorder itself, then what happens, I started to have behavioral problems. Mm. And then I became emotionally disturbed. And then when I became emotionally disturbed, at that time, I was, you know, turning against my family to a certain degree. And then my father decided to come back to California after two years in Hawaii. And I was only 14 at that time. I was put in a boy's home in Lakeside Lodge. It was called Lakeside Lodge in Elsinore, California. Okay. To control and to help the emotional disturbance to put me back into a, a better lifestyle where I guess I would be disciplined. Mm -hmm. Mm. to be a normal child because I just couldn't take the fact that I had epilepsy and I wanted to you know, eliminate the seizures from ever happening because I couldn't take mm. it anymore. Right. So I spent two years at Lakeside Lodge in Elsinore and then I finally was able to come home to my family again. Wow. Yeah. But some some of the family members, which my my older two older sisters have, they were grown up and gone. Mm -hmm. They were going to school elsewhere. So at that time, I went back home and I was living in Tufton, California. Mm -hmm. And I was just finishing up my high school. And a lot of times during high school, I would ditch class. Right. The reason I would ditch class because I was afraid of having the seizure. Right in front of all those people or students and I didn't want them to you know be totally away from me because then I lose my contact or friendship that I had or what I was building right so I guess the only solution I thought was to ditch class and not even show up yeah mm -hmm. wow I can understand that that would be very very traumatic to have a seizure in front of your classmates and I wouldn't want to do that either did you did your parents have any understanding of that how scary that was for you they did but then again uh, there's not a whole lot at that time they could do because right. again epilepsy was not as advanced as it is today right, right. and uh, they really didn't know what to do at that time but my father took good care of me. As hard as his parents tried to care for Jesse, this tremendous challenge wore on their relationship, which made Jesse feel even more alone. And then, you know, my, what happened is I was just living with my family at the time, but then I think my parents started to break up at that time. After 28 years of marriage, they, they were, they get divorced. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I couldn't, uh, be on my own because mm. uh, I was not capable of living on my own with a disability like that. Right. So 
I lived with my father at that time. Mm-hmm. Now I was I was finishing up um, my high school time, so I finally ended up graduating. But I graduated from a continuation school <laughs> because they put me into a continuation school from a regular high school because I was ditching class too much. Yeah. You know. But you but were I able. Did. Okay, you I were... did graduate. Good. Mm-hmm. And after you graduated from high school, what did you do? Well, at that time, I was still in a position where I was really had no life life whatsoever. Hmm. So, but I was living with my father in Santa Ana, California, and at that time, I was just really getting up and walking the streets, <laughs> doing basically living no life at all because I didn't know what to do. Wow. Nobody's going to hire me if they find out that I have epilepsy and I have seizures on the job. Right. So I couldn't get a job. I did have temporary jobs where I worked in a pizza parlor or I worked as a busboy mm-hmm. in a restaurant. <laughs> but I could never hold down a job for a long time because sometimes I was seen taking my medication. Hmm. And they thought I was on drugs, so they let me go. But I tried to explain it. Even one time, I got fired because they knew that uh, they found out that I had epilepsy, and then said we don't hire epileptics. Oh my goodness! Which is discrimination, of course. Wow. And that was really sad. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, did you have any events that helped? you deal with the epilepsy? Any other treatment or anything? Well, what happened is um, I, I couldn't bear, I should say, the loneliness in, of living that kind of a lifestyle because walking the street, having nobody to talk to, nothing to do. Right. I can't drive a car, of course, because I don't have a license. They're not going to give me a license if I have epilepsy and I'm having seizures. Right. So the grand mal seizures started to get worse at that time when I was living with my father. And now they were really to the point of uh, really almost near death. Wow. Because now they become much more consistent. So this time I injured myself, ended up in UCI hospital where I needed surgery. And then what happened is, um, I just couldn't take it no more. And, and then uh, I I just I can't take it no more, and I, uh, I tried to kill myself. Oh, I'm so sorry. Jesse hit rock bottom at 19 years old. But thank God for the Los Angeles police, because they found me in a field, you know, dying from the loss of blood because I'd slit my wrist. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But they saved my life. And then during that time period, you know, I just didn't know what to do. Right. So I was still just walking the streets and doing nothing. And then my mother, uh, she was going to a church in Garden Grove Mm-hmm. It was at that time it was named Garden Grove Community Church. Mm-hmm. And that was with the pastor, Dr. Robert Schuler. Yes, I know who that yep. is. Mm-hmm. 
and she decided, you know, she said, you know, I want to come and pick you up on Sunday and take you to church. Of course, I hadn't been to church in years because I stopped going after I was, you know, getting down with epilepsy. Right. I lived most of my life in hospitals and institutions. Wow. So my mother decided to take me to Garden Grove Community Church, and that was the start. He had nothing left to lose, so he tried church. But the fear still hounded him at every step. That was the start of the change in my life, I should say. Wow. That's when everything started to change. And then what happened is uh, my mother consistently would just tell me you'd be ready at you know eight o'clock we're going to ch- we're going to church and I followed with her and I started being around people mm. that's what I needed the most yeah. because I was all by myself uh, growing up with that epilepsy like that so when I started to be around people at the church my mother started taking me to a singles group mm-hmm. <laughs> and the singles group Um, there was a lot of people there. It it was really big and they started having activities and things to do, I should say, with my life. Mm. And then the the biggest fear I should say that I did have was having the seizure there because I didn't want, again, people to come at me and I was even thinking they might ask me to leave and never come back. Wow. Yeah. But. That was my biggest fear, but my life really started changing at that time. And then what happened is I started continuously going there, and then the biggest fear that I had came true. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I was in the Sunday school with the singles group, who the people that I actually did know, and I made friends. Right. And sure enough, I had a grand mal seizure right there. Wow. And um, they they took care of me, and uh, I was okay after the seizure was over with. And then I was afraid to go back the following week, right? Because I'm afraid it. Uh oh, they're not gonna right. they're not gonna like me. They're gonna come go against me. Ask me not to come back. Wow. And then it was. <laughs> It was t- totally the opposite. Wow. Nothing but nothing but love, uh, friendship. Everybody wanted to know how I was, how I was doing. That was so uh, loving and kind. You know, and at that time, that's something that I was not used to. <laughs> wow, Jesse, that's beautiful. After such a long pattern of seizures, rejection, and isolation, this caught Jesse off guard. Then over time, uh, things started really changing for me. I started getting involved with friendships, things to do. And then our pastor decided that he's going to be building another church. Mm-hmm. And that Garden Grove Community Church was now going to be the Crystal Cathedral yeah. in Garden Grove. The big, big church. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, and and that's basically what happened is he built built the church itself. It took time for his walls to come down, but once they did, 
Jesse came to life. I don't know how it happened, but I, I walked on over to Santa Ana College and I said, why don't I try to make something of my life? And I enrolled in college, wow. not knowing at all what I was doing. Wow. <laughs> because when you have so many seizures over periods of time, like I did, it destroys the brain cells. Mm. Yep. And then what happens, it's very, very hard to concentrate and to comprehend everything that I'm reading. But when I did enroll in college, I, again, I had no idea what I was doing. So after one semester of college, the results of what I did, I had enrolled in three classes. I had one withdrawal, one incomplete, and I completed one unit. Yay! <laughs> one unit. Yeah. And I said, what am I going to do? Well, I enrolled again another semester. <laughs> but uh, the end result, I should say, of my college career uh, from 1977 to 1985, it was a continuous career through college. Mm -hmm. And I, I started going to college with a third grade comprehension level. Wow. And that's when I started meeting, I should say, uh, angels from heaven over time. Mm. And the people that just came out of nowhere and helped me. Yeah. which I had also written in my book. Mm -hmm. But what had happened is that I had to walk to school because I didn't, I couldn't drive. Right. Yep. So I walked five miles to school and I walked another five miles back. But I was used to it at that time. Mm -hmm. And then um, something was just really happening with my life. And for some just unknown reason, what was happening is for the last eight months, I had not had one seizure. Oh, my goodness. You know, everything, I think uh, everything started to change when I started going to the church. There is no cure for epilepsy, and there is no cure uh, that I had at that time, but again, I just wouldn't give up. So when at that time, I just started working on a part-time job too at it, on a uh, graveyard shift because I was only living on disability at that time of $267 a month to help get me by. Mm -hmm. So when I started working at the newspaper factory as a loader, just loading trucks, mm -hmm. I just, for some reason, I don't know why, but I started saving my money. And I managed to save up like $1,500. Wow. And I, I said, you know, that's a lot of money to somebody living on disability right. at that time. But I, I just don't know why I did it, but I did it. And then it's been, it was almost 18 months later. And I still have not had a seizure. Oh, my goodness. So, and the Department of Motor Vehicles at that time, they said in order to get a driver's license, you have to have two years of seizure-free. And if at that time you get a doctor's written request stating you have had been seizure-free and your medication is controlling your seizures, then, yes, you can get a driver's license. 
So I only had like three months to go wow. <laughs> for, for it to be two years. And then I just decided for some unknown reason, $1,500, I looked around and I found a, a newspaper one time, looked in there for cars, and there was a beautiful Chevrolet Camaro that my father took me to see. She wanted $5,000 for it. I had 1500 uh-huh. and my dad f- financed the rest oh, as wow. a co-signer. <laughs> oh, wow. And therefore, after 11 years of walking, doing nothing with my life very much, I should say, and having seizures, there I had my first car. Wow. <laughs> that is, what color was it? Blue. With a white interior. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Walking around the corner and seeing it for the first time in my life <laughs> it brought me into tears. Yes. Yes. So, okay, for the next three months, were you seizure-free? Seizure yes, I was. Oh, yay. Yes. I was hoping I, you said that. <laughs> yes, I was. And, uh. I was still taking my medication diligently and taking it on time, no problems. And I was, at that point in my life, I was able to drive to church. Oh, yay. Yeah, myself. And I was able to drive to school yeah, myself. It was a whole new life opening for me. Yes. And I would never, never miss church because I felt so good there. Mm. It was the best place that I ever always wanted to be. Mm. I started socializing with people. I started to get make new friends. I was actually having my Sunday activities. <laughs> my Sunday activity was at that time I would go to church in the morning at eight o'clock, and through all the activities throughout the day, I'd get home about two o'clock in the morning. Whoa, you were busy. Yeah, after church, we went to brunch. First, we went to Sunday school. After Sunday school, we went to brunch. After brunch, we went out and played baseball until 5 o'clock in the evening. Then we went to pizza parlor, had pizza. Then we went to our evening service. And after our evening service, we went to what we called an afterglow. Uh-huh. Where we would sing and listen to a speaker and praise the Lord. And then after the afterglow, some of us would go out and just have coffee and socialize together. And I'd get home about 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, what a wonderful day. Yes, and that's where everything started to change. Yeah, with my life is when I started attending church. Wow, that's so. awesome! After years of obeying fear, Jesse suddenly found himself living by faith. Whatever fear tried to tell him, Jesse did the opposite. He didn't even entirely know why. He just did it. And then, after when I was going into college, I was still living off a of disability just $267 a month and whatever I could earn elsewhere. And then I decided to go. I I found a a flyer from my school that I was going to, and I decided to major in communication, which is broadcasting. Right. And then when I started doing that, saw a flyer, it said, attend school in London, England. Oh, fun. at Temple University. And I said, wow, that would be something to put on my resume. 
Mm-hmm. So I decided well, uh, to figure out how could I do this. It's uh, what they wanted, like $2,500 for the tuition. Mm. And I got to fly there myself and find a place to stay. So I just said, I'm going to do it. So I put in for a loan from the government, a student loan. Mm-hmm. I got $3,500. Oh, yay. Yeah. And then I decided I'm going to go to London, England and go to school there. And then when I got there, um, I didn't, I, I've never traveled before. So at that time, I, I didn't know really what I was doing again. So when I got to London, England, I came with $467. Wow. That's not very much money. Then, I, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. What am I going to do? Right. So I went to a hotel after look, after trying to find one. And then the hotel was like 67 pounds, which is about $75 a night. I said, uh-oh, and I'm going to be here for two months. This ain't going to work out too good. So I came down to check out, and uh, the guy said, are you leaving already? Yes, I'm a student here, and I, I can't afford to stay here. Hmm. And he was another angel sent from heaven. He said, oh, I tell you what, I got an idea for you. Let me tell you, come with me. Mm. so he took me around the corner and he had another hotel over there but the other hotel was under construction and there was a room there that was unoccupied he said you can have this room for ten dollars a night oh wow (laughs) i said okay thank you so much and sure enough i spent my semester in london england and i succeeded in in a semester there i worked with the bbc and I worked with the IPA over there, and that was just something that I I wouldn't give up on. And like when I came back home, I had twenty five cents to my name. Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, that was just about perfect. Yep. So, and then the following year, I graduated with my bachelor's degree in communications. Wow! And throughout all this time period, also. I'm going to school. I graduate. Again, the last seizure that I had was a seizure at, uh, at Garden Grove Community at Church. Church. Wow. And there, there is no cure for epilepsy. And for some reason, when I went to that church, my life changed. Mm. And... And I haven't had a seizure in, what, 43 years. And I haven't, I haven't taken medication in 35 years. So, so, again, I don't have epilepsy anymore. I've been cured. Yes. How, I don't know. Yeah. Huh? But it was through the Lord God when I went to that church. Wow. That is and a miracle. Yes, it's a miracle, and that's why, you know, I, I just try to let people know that never give up on your dreams in life, as I learned from other people, especially my mentors, like Helen Keller, mm. she was blind, deaf, and dumb, but look right. what she did, Right. see, and then good old Walt Disney, if you can dream it, mm-hmm. you can do it, mm-hmm. right. and then Vince Lombard, I would go by him, a quitter never wins, and a winner never quits. Mm. 
So yeah. after my stay in London, I came back and I decided, well, if I can graduate from a college with a third grade comprehension level, it took me eight years to get a four-year degree, but I did it. Yeah. So now I'm going to get into the motion picture industry. <laughs> and sure enough, uh, I started my venture in getting into the motion pictures, and I just wouldn't give up. But my dad always taught me, you got to be creative. you got to do something else that other people don't do. Mm. So the spotlight will come on you. And that spotlight was where I said to myself, I'm not going to just fill an application, leave it with somebody and wait for them to call me. I'll never get a job that way. So how do I get into the motion picture industry? So I started calling and calling and calling. And then I joined an organization called NABIT, which is a national association of broadcasting employees and technicians. Mm-hmm. And that got me small jobs to work in the studios. Hmm. So I was working on the studios and the sets. I worked on It's a, it's a, a, One Big Family, It's a Living. I worked on The Golden Girls. I worked on a lot of different different uh, television stations at first uh-huh. in electronic production. And then I started calling the big studios. And I said, you know, I really love to work for Disney. So... I finally got a contact in Disney, but again, you got to go a lot more than just having a contact. So what I did is I thought of a creative way to get into Disney. And I said, I'm going to know what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a special letter to to my contact. And that letter was, of course, with Mickey and Minnie Mouse on the bottom. Mm -hmm. And Mickey Mouse is filming Minnie Mouse. (laughs) That's on half of the page. And Mickey says to Minnie, you know, Minnie, it was sure hard getting into Walt Disney Studios because that's all we would get is a no. And then Mm -hmm. Minnie would say, yes, Mickey, but for every no that we got, we came that much closer to a yes. Oh, I love it. And then I get another one with Donald Duck and Goofy and... Basically, it's something similar where I put in there, you know, um, it was sure hard getting into the studios, wasn't it, Goofy? Said, yes, it was, but we never gave up, and I never quit, Mm. and I'm so glad that we're part of the Disney family now, Mm. and I'm not going to give up. And sure enough, after sending letter after letter like that, they called me. Wow. Yeah, I got interviewed by Disney and was offered a job. Yep, and I also had worked for 20th Century Fox Film Studios. So I made it into the motion picture industry, and now here I am. uh, actually on the red carpet walking with the stars in 1984. Wow. There at the Emmy Awards when, what, (laughs) 12 years earlier, I'm walking the streets having multiple grand mal seizures with no life to live and suicidal. A film studio is the very last place you'd expect to find someone who had been diagnosed with epilepsy. But Jesse had been radically healed. His days in a padded cell were over. Epilepsy doesn't get to tell his story anymore. 
Jesse tells it himself. Every impossible chapter of it. He's written a book called Angels from Heaven, I Fought Epilepsy, and I Won. And that title pretty much sums up his miraculous life. You can find his book on Amazon. Thank you for listening to Kavah the Podcast. Thanks again for listening to Kavah the Podcast. It's our joy to share these stories of hope in a confusing world. To keep up with our guests and adventures in podcasting, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We would also love it if you gave us a review on whatever podcasting platform you use. It helps us continue to share hope around the world. We are so grateful for our listeners who financially support Kava the Podcast. If you would like to become a supporter, please consider donating via Patreon or contacting us about sponsorship opportunities. You can find more information at kavahpodcast.com. That's Q-A-V-A-H podcast.com. I would like to thank my head writer, Rebecca Gray, and audio engineer, Meredith Douglas. I could not do this without you. You make this happen, and I can't express my gratitude. Maybe you've been listening because you found yourself in a desperate place. We want you to know that all is not lost. It is our desire that you would be able to borrow hope from those who've gone before you, those who've waited to find a positive outcome. Please be sure and connect with us via our website or social media. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other.